Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Through the summer, we've been focusing on where we find God in the arts around the city. We've heard some incredible reflections and found joy, beauty, and complexity all around us. Today, I want to bring things a bit closer to home. And I want to start in this very room. I want to invite you to take a moment or two to really look at the beauty of this chapel. In particular, some of the carvings in the wood, in the metal, in the stone. What are some of the things you see? Anyone want to tell me, what do you, what do you see? Anyone? Leaves. Leaves. And Leaves. An eagle. Yep, absolutely. There are flowers, there are birds, abundant. Up there we've got a lamb, we've got a dove. And yes, as Aislinn said, we've got a nice big golden eagle over here. Hard to miss that one. The imagery of plants and animals are reminders of the gifts of creation. We worship you look in this place, and especially in the sanctuary on the outside of the building, the artists who created this space chose to remind us at every turn about the beauty of nature, that this incredible work of art can't even hope to rival. And in reminding us of the beauty of nature, makes an important statement. We worship a God who's got the whole world in their hands, right? Whose eye is on the sparrow, the inchworm, the blade of grass, the leaf, and on each one of us. We worship a God who has knitted together creation and calls us to steward all of these good gifts, to care for this precious planet we call home and cultivate a sensibility of conservation and appreciation in ourselves, in others, and in the generations to come. It took many, sorry. It took many hearts and hands and minds to build this place, from the architects and designers to the craftspeople, and indeed the whole congregation who brought their gifts to help fund the construction. And for generations, others entrusted with this beautiful space have cared for it with hearts of deep devotion. Like the Hebrews, who brought what they had in their hands to help build the first tabernacle, the generations have brought their gifts to make the artwork of this place even more beautiful as a reflection of their love and worship of God. Rachel read for us about the building of that first tabernacle. This was in the wilderness years of the Hebrew people after their miraculous escape from slavery in Egypt. They had already been wandering for a year with many missteps, including the forging of a golden calf, which they worshiped in the place of God. After they were punished for that idolatry, God instructed the people to build up a tabernacle a wilderness sanctuary where God could be fully present with them. 
Nearly one-third of the book of Exodus is devoted to considerations regarding the tabernacle. God specifies every single detail, the materials and the height, width, and length of each section, including details about the curtains, the clasps, the beams, the pegs, all of the objects to be placed within the structure are described, the ark, the mercy seat, the altar, the lampstand, the table, and other ritual items. Even certain ritual procedures and matters pertaining to the priests associated with the ministry, and there are even recipes for anointing oil and incense. Thirteen chapters that have to do with the tabernacle. It is a long stretch of non-story that can become wearisome reading. <laughs> but it makes clear the importance of worship. The movement of the book of Exodus as a whole is one from slavery to worship, from serving Pharaoh to serving God. More particularly, it is a movement from Israel's forced construction of Pharaoh's buildings and monuments to the glad and faithful offering of themselves to build a place for the worship of God. It's important to remember that the book of Exodus as we know it was written centuries later, during the years of the Babylonian exile, at a time when Israel once again had no central sanctuary. Israel in exile found itself in a situation similar to their ancestors in the aftermath of the golden calf incident, standing in need of forgiveness. The sections about the tabernacle, the instructions, the construction, assures Israel that just as God once before went forward with plans for a sanctuary in the wake of apostasy, so God would again. For the community in exile, it would be a sign of hope that a new sanctuary is in their future and that God would indeed dwell among them once again. But the emphasis here really is placed on the actions of the people where previously they had committed idolatry using what they had to create a false god, now they show strict obedience following God's instructions to the letter. From chapters 35 to 40, there are 18 references to Moses doing as God commanded. This obedience rises out of a heart and spirit properly turned toward God. Obedience is thus rooted in faithfulness. The external activity is internally motivated. The actual building can proceed only because of the generous offerings brought forth by everyone and offered up to God. In Egypt, they had been enslaved and forced to build up a dwelling place for Pharaoh. The work of the wilderness time is a work of participatory liberation whereby the people find their own agency, recognize the blessings and gifts in their own hands, and then bring these gifts forward, offering them up in gratitude to God for the building up of God's dwelling place in the world. God makes it possible for the people to participate in their own liberation in and through the gifts bestowed upon individuals, and everyone has a gift to share. The owning, the sharing of these gifts 
is what truly empowers the people as they develop their new identity as a nation, as God's people. It's important to note that these chapters are not a description of the completed tabernacle, but of its being made. The emphasis is, not on, is, is instead on the joining and the threading and the making, and then finally on its being assembled. The point is not completion of a beautiful object, a contemplation of a beautiful object, but on the work and faithfulness and the sharing needed to make it so. And the tabernacle as a movable building that is repeatedly rebuilt and dismantled as the people continue on their journey remains a dynamic place. The act of preparing for God to dwell in their midst is not a one and done thing. It becomes a ritual action, repeated over and over. With each new generation, God blesses us with gifts, with talents, with resources we can share with one another and bring forward together for the building up of God's kingdom and God's dwelling place here on earth. As we look around at the state of the world, particularly in the light of the global climate crisis, it can be heartbreakingly debilitating. We may feel powerless to change things. Maybe things have gone too far off course. But again, God has gifted us with what is in our hands. Knowledge and energy, resources and inspiration, skill and courage to fight for change, to set things right. Over the last few weeks, many Old Southers have been sharing their gifts and talents through our all-church art project. Because it's one thing to talk about the beautiful art in this city and quite another to participate in making this art. Together, we are crafting these beautiful banners, which you can see a corner of there. You can see all of on the front of your bulletin. These incredible banners, and they serve as a reminder of that central tenet of our faith, that we worship a God who has knitted together creation and calls us to steward all these good gifts to care for the precious planet we call home and use what we have in our hands to nurture beauty, justice, and mercy in the world. We will use these banners to call out from the walls of this place, urging passerbys to heal the earth, our sacred home, protect our water and air, fight fossil fuels with faith, and ultimately to kindle the hope that burns in us all and empowers us to keep going, to keep creating, to keep sharing what's in our hands to give. These banners will become part of our worship space, part of this tabernacle that we continue to rebuild with each new brush stroke, with each new generation. If you haven't yet added your artistic flair to the project, I hope that you will, or perhaps you will find the gifts in your own hands calling you to share in other ways. But we are all invited to participate in that great masterpiece of God's creation. It is in the act of making together that we live a life of faith. And it is because God has equipped us that we can be co-creators with God of a hopeful future. Amen.